My name is Rick, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I am so grateful that you chose to come and join us today. I had the privilege of opening up God's Word, an opportunity to be able to share with you parts of, well, a story that actually is transformational. And we trust that as you open your ears and as you open the Word, that the Holy Spirit does move and act in a very real and a very special way. We're on a journey. We are reading and learning about God from the Bible. Some of you might look at that and say, well, that's odd. <laughs> I know about God. I know about the Bible. Uh, how much is there to really check out? What, what do we need to know? I, I mean, he's a, a good God, right? Uh, a, a God that's around. And wow. Well, to help us stay focused, encourage participation, I'm using the book, The Story. Where pastors Max Lucado and Randy Frazee have developed our curriculum, our pace. I'm also gleaning some things from Colin Smith's book, Unlocking the Bible Story, commentary that is kind of going through the But want to just uh, encourage you as you read along with us and as you open up the scriptures that maybe God is going to open up your eyes in a new and a fresh way. Some of the stories that we look at in this series, well, maybe you heard way back in Sunday school. Maybe you've heard a long time ago. And you're going, well, Rick, why, why would we spend so much time on some of these stories? Well, I think the reason is, is that we lot about some of these scriptures simply because they are important for the whole. And we're trying to put some bookends. We're trying to start way back in Genesis and eventually end in Revelation. Those are the beginning books of the Bible and the end book of the Bible. So that you might get a really accurate picture of who this God is. Because we're convinced that if you see God clearly, you are going to be drawn to God. It doesn't mean you don't have questions. It doesn't. It doesn't mean you don't struggle with your faith at times. Because I think you do. But I think it's just really, really important for us to understand the whole. The whole. You know, our story begins in a garden where everything was so very, very perfect for a while. But there were two individuals, Adam and Eve, that chose to disobey God. And that started this spiral downward, actually, for all of us. Yet in spite of this broken world, God decides to create a nation where he could live and he could interact. Hopefully something like the garden, where he had an intimate relationship with his creations. God raised up a man named Moses who leads Israel to, well, the entrance to another garden called Canaan. But the Jews made a poor choice at Kadesh Barnea where they lacked faith, they complained, and chose, believe it or not, to walk 40 years in a desert. 
say, well, Rick, they didn't exactly choose, you know, 40 years in a desert, and, and that wasn't their choice. It's true. What they chose is to disobey God. And God said, okay, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you see what living, well, not in Canaan, looks like. After all the wandering, they're now standing in the same spot. Will they move forward and enter Canaan, the promised land? A garden-like territory flowing with milk and honey. Well, let's pray. Before focusing on Israel's new leader and their new challenges, this week's story is, going to fi- is found in the book of Joshua. So you can turn to Joshua, if you're unfamiliar with that is, go right to the index of your Bible, and it will give you the spot where we're going to spend some time today. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that this story, the story of Joshua jumps out at us. There's going to be some really familiar parts of this story. There's going to be, well, some hearts to understand, but more than all, Father, we just ask that you would receive honor and glory, that we would be able to hear from you, that you would magnify yourself in your word. We would ask that. We would ask that you would be with all the different churches all over who are proclaiming your word today. We pray that your kids would be strengthened and convicted. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the time has finally come for God's chosen people to enter the land that he had promised them really more than 600 years ago. Moses has died and Joshua is the new leader. I'd like to read from Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read uh, a few verses all the way through verse 9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on a land I've given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you be prosperous and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. 
Now let me again try to paint a picture for you. Moses was quite the leader. Moses was an amazing man. He was called the friend of God. He had a relationship with God like most of us would only dream about. And his number two man all the way through was Joshua. Joshua went sort of up on the mountain with him. Joshua was at the tent of meeting with him. Joshua was always around. And he was learning. He was watching. I'm not sure if Joshua ever thought that he would be the number two or the next leader. But it finally came to be. Moses was not allowed to go into the land and he was 120 years old. And he had a talk with Josh and said, you are going to be that man. Imagine that. I mean, there's always times that we secede someone or succeed somebody. We always go after certain people, whether it be employers or brothers and sisters. You know, isn't it terrible to follow a brother or sister in school that, like, isn't anything like you? You get into a room. You get into an attention. Oh, they're either looking forward to seeing you or dreading seeing you. All you want to do is be you. I get it. But we all have this tendency. So, so people are used to Moses. They really are. What a guy. Joshua steps forward. Do you think he needed to hear over and over again, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be just like all those times you saw with Moses. I'm going to be right there with you, Joshua. Don't be afraid. I'm going to, I'm going to be your bud. I will hang out with you. Well, if you recall, 40 years earlier, Joshua was one of those guys that came back along with Caleb and said, yeah, this is an amazing country. Let's go in. There were 10 spies that said, no, the walls are too big and the giants are humongous. Nothing has changed for 40 years. Do you realize that? Only back then, Moses was the leader. Joshua could have been a little more courageous then. Hey, Moses, this is no problem. Let's do it. Now Moses was gone. The walled cities were still there. The giants were still big. They were on the edge right before the Jordan River, and all they had to do is cross. You see, God was changing a people. He was changing their life and changing their thinking. And even though Joshua was on board, he was all in, there were three challenges that came up. The first one was this. Get two million people across the Jordan. <laughs> the scriptures tell us that the Jordan was in flood stage. So I don't know what flood stage actually looks like. Because even when I was in Israel, Jordan wasn't that big. It, it seemed to like shrink a little bit. So all we know is this, that any river or any flowing river 
in flood stage sounds impossible, especially for two million people. Whoa. Joshua had already, in chapter 2, sent out spies. That's when he visits Rahab's house and, and kind of scopes out the territory. But before they actually cross that Jordan, this was a special trip. And so in order to get everybody across, in order to do it exactly the way God wanted, there were some things that God wanted these people to focus on. The first thing, he said, before you even go, I want you to purify yourself. In Joshua chapter 3, verses 5, 9, and 10, the scriptures say this, Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. Is among you. First thing that we learn we learn today, we learn just about every other place, is, is if God's going to work and be among us, we need to purify ourselves. It's something where God, a holy God, and sin just can't coexist. So there's this time that children of Israel prepared themselves, they confessed their sins, they offered sacrifices, anticipating being able to move in a way that's just a little bit different. So purify yourself. It's really, really important. Nothing too different today, but if you're going to see me work, if I'm going to do something amazing, you've got to be able to be clean. Confess your sin and get ready. Second thing I want you to do is follow the ark. Now the ark, at least in that time, was absolutely kind of lined up with God's presence. Wherever the ark went, Well, the people of Israel knew God was present. So the assignment was follow the ark. When the ark steps, or when the priests step into the Jordan River, it will dry up. The ark is going to stay right in the middle of that river, and you're going to walk right through. Very interesting, though. It would have been nice that maybe God could have made the pathway before. But the scriptures tell us it wasn't until the priests put their foot into the water that it stopped and dried up. The third thing that happened right here is remember how God worked. In fact, he says, I want you to make two memorials. Now, this sounds like it's going to be a whole lot of work, and it was, but what we want you to do, I'm going to pick one person from each of the tribes. I want you to get 12 large rocks from the middle of the Jordan where you just crossed. I want you to carry them over on dry land, and I want you to make a pile. I also want you to gather some more rocks, and I want you to make a pile right where the ark is. And the reason I want you to do that is because I don't ever want you to forget how I worked. I want you to remember that these memorials, every time you walk by, every time the Jordan River, every time you come to the Jordan, you're going to see those pot, that pile of rocks. Every time you come to this area, you're going to see that pile of rocks. 
And he says, the reason I want you to do is because I want you to make sure your kids and never, never forget it. I'm pretty sure you're not going to forget it. But I want your kids not to forget it. And so actually he said, um, Joshua, this is what I want you to say. In Joshua chapter 4, verses 21 through 24, then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before our eyes, and he kept it dry until we were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea, when he dried up dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and that you might fear the Lord your God forever. And you're going to read in chapter 5, verse 1, that's exactly what happened. The children of Israel did cross, and the news spread all over. Remember, 40 years before the Red Sea happened. But now God again was among his people. They were purified. They followed the ark. They made these memorials because they needed to be reminded. That's what memorials do. Remind us of God's faithfulness. The second challenge, challenge number two, there were still pockets of disobedience. Well, Rick, I thought they all purified themselves. Well, I'm pretty sure they did to the best of their ability. But God then reminded Joshua, there's a big deal. All of your men are not circumcised. And you go, well, what's the big deal? Well, back in Genesis chapter 17, one of the things that God told Abraham, is said, you know what? There's going to be a special sign of my covenant, a special sign of my promises. And that's going to be circumcision. All of your males need to be circumcised. It is a binding covenant. Well, for 40 years, this tradition didn't happen. And so basically what God said, if we're going to go, you need to be all in, and you need to be all obedient, and I know this is not going to be pleasant, but I want you to obey me. And so they crossed the river. All the men were circumcised. And the third challenge was actually God's strategy. His strategy was simply this. Let's march around Jericho. Walled city, probably 30 feet high. Very, very thick. And we want you to make noise. I want you to march and I want you to make no, noise. Literally, look at Joshua chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho its king and all of its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times. 
with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. This was pretty much of a challenge. They weren't skilled fighters. We already know that. But Joshua gets them all together and said, this is our strategy. We're going to walk around the city. And the priests are going to walk ahead and they're going to blow ram's horns. Okay, what do we do next? The next day, we're going to walk around the city. Uh, The priests are going to be ahead and they're going to blow horns. Oh, this is getting good. (laughs) Right? What do we do the third day? Same thing. Fourth day, same thing. Fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. Ah, you know what? Seventh day is going to look at. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Walk a few more times and keep blowing the trumpet. And then I want you to shout. This is it. This is what you want us to do to the first city we come to. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. But you know what you noticed? Which, if you didn't have the whole story, there was no complaining. Folks, I just want to say this. That's stupid strategy. Okay? Dumb. Idiotic. Why would you do that? God said to. That's all. That's all. But there was no complaining this time. There was no moaning. There was none of that. At least it's not recorded. So all of a sudden, they're seeing something a little bit different. As most of you know, the mighty Jericho falls. And then right after that, Ai, the next city, falls. And it's defeated. And Joshua does something very interesting at this moment. In Joshua chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. They just defeat two major cities in this campaign. And this is what he reads. Joshua then read to them all the blessings and the curses Moses had written in the book of instruction, basically the book of Deuteronomy. Every word of every command that Moses had ever written was read to the entire assembly of Israel, including the women and the children and the foreigners who lived among them. Again, a little odd way to celebrate. But he gets all the people around. He stands up and he reads the book of Deuteronomy to them. Wow. The word of God was so important. He wanted again to keep the people focused. There was great victory. And after victory, there's a tendency to slack off. Isn't that right? The hardest thing in any kind of sports competition is after you win big is to win the next game, to stay focused. And it's the same way. It's our personalities. Well, we either think we're too big, we're too great, we're too powerful, we're too fast. And we don't prepare the same. But Moses, excuse me, Joshua wanted to keep them focused. Now, 
this is where we enter a little bit of the hard part. And if you've been reading through, my guess is you've been bothered about some of the orders. The rest of the story of Joshua is all about conquest. First, there's a southern campaign, and then there's a northern campaign. But God's orders are basically, uh, they're very clear. We can't even try to read them a different way. But God said this, eliminate and destroy. No survivors, no prisoners. We cringe. These aren't a band of rogue soldiers. These were God's people obeying God's orders. We may not understand it. We may not even like it. But God literally gives us a little bit of insight and tells us that this was his judgment. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 3, 4, and 5, Moses himself is talking about going into this land of Canaan and conquering this land. But he says this, But recognize today that the Lord your God is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire to destroy them, all those peoples in Canaan. He will subdue them so that you will quickly conquer them and drive them out just as the Lord had promised. After the Lord your God has done this for you, don't say in your hearts, the Lord has given us this land because we are such a good people. I just want to stop there. In other words, we're, we're really good people. We obey you, God, and so therefore we get everything just perfect. No, God says. It's because of the wickedness of the other nations that he, or God, is pushing them out of your way. It is not because you are so good or have such integrity that you are about to occupy the land. The Lord your God will drive these nations out ahead of you only because of their wickedness. And I'm sure that we can have more discussion on this, but what seems brutal and excessive is actually God bringing about justice and righteousness. Now, once all the major campaigns were over, once the Israelites went through underneath Joshua's command, took over all of the strongholds of Canaan, just like God had told them, Then he literally divvied out the land. There were 12 tribes, and he gave each of the tribes different places to live. But the Jews, listen to this, still had to rely on God for all the little pockets of the enemy. God did not take out all of the enemy because literally What God wanted were these Jews to continually depend upon him for victories. He didn't want them just to, well, experience this wonderful new land. Because what happens as soon as so many of us get comfortable, we forget about God. And God knew that. And so God left certain 
people. And you can read through it. It's, it's an amazing story of Caleb, again, the other 80-year-old who comes and says, hey, I want the hill country. I want the greatest. I want the hardest challenges. I want the biggest giants. Give them to me. God, I love when you work. It's an exciting part of Scripture. And Caleb, this old guy, goes and he conquers because of his faith in God. It wasn't always the case. But we come to a place in our story where Joshua is literally getting close to his death. If you've hung around Cross Point for very long, you know I love looking at last words. I love listening to different men and women of God who, who have lived faithful lives. And just before they know they're going to see their king, they try to give us words of wisdom, stuff they've learned. So we focus just a little bit on Moses' last words in Deuteronomy 32, 33, 34 last week. But Joshua also has some last words. And they're amazing. And if you've not read anything in Joshua, I'm going to encourage you to read Joshua chapter 23 and chapter 24. He gives some initial comments, first of all. So in Joshua chapter 23, starting at verse 6. So be very careful, Joshua writes, to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or the left. First thing he says is this. Do, do, do be careful to obey. Wow, that's a theme. It's a theme all the way through. In fact, right before he took the leadership, remember in Joshua 1, we just read about that. Make sure you commit yourself to everything Moses wrote. In fact, he said back then, God said, don't deviate. Don't go off course. Don't just even turn a little to the right or a little to the left. Be so very, very passionate when you read something from God's Word. You say yes. You say yes. So do be careful to obey and do not deviate. And then in verse 7, make sure you do not associate with other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. So do be careful to obey. Do not deviate. Do not associate. Don't lose your focus. Do you realize how quickly, how quickly you can get off center with poor influences? I think, again, that's probably one of the things parents pray for most often. Would you surround my kids with people who love the Lord? Would you do that, Lord? Would you allow leaders in their lives to be leaders that love the Lord? That's important. And then in verse 8, rather cling 
tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. I love the word cling. And, and just in the same line, if you go down to verse 11, so be very, very careful to love the Lord your God. What Joshua is just saying is the relationship between God is so very, very important. Cling to God. Make that intimate. It's so important. Love your God. Spend time with your God. And then, like any good parent or maybe good leader, he says this in verses 14, 15, and 16. Do expect disaster if you disobey. None of us like hearing that part. But it's always part of these last words. Look at verse 14. Soon I will die, going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. But as surely as the Lord your God has given you the good things he promised, he will also bring disaster on you if you disobey him. He will completely destroy you from this good land that he has given you. If you break the covenant of the Lord by worshiping and serving other gods, his anger will burn against you and you will quickly vanish from the good land he has given you. Whoa. So do, here it is, do, do, listen, obey, do that. Do not deviate from it. Don't associate with those that, don't make them your best friends that don't love the Lord. Cling tightly to the Lord, love him with all your heart, and know this, children of Israel, if you choose to disobey, I will move. That's hard. And then the closing comments in chapter 24, starting at verse 14 and 15. He's just about at the end. This is his conclusion of his message. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Really, Joshua, how many times are we going to say this? Well, you know what? I've been with you a long time, Joshua is saying. I was with you 40 years in that desert. You didn't always do this. I'm with you another 30 years of this conquest, and I've seen some of you kind of dabbling. I want you to know this. Fear the Lord. And do you know that fear of the Lord is actually something you learn? It is. And we model and serve him wholeheartedly. Serve the Lord with everything you have. I love coming out on Monday or on Wednesday nights and watching Awana leaders. I love the opportunity of watching different ministries function. And where people are using the gifts that God has given them with all of their hearts. Not expecting actually any accolades, but from our Father Himself. Now, we all don't have those pure motives. I get it. 
But as you grow and as you depend on God, you find out that serving our Lord with everything you have is an amazing experience. Then Joshua said this. He's, he's <laughs> going right to the point. Put away forever. Not put away a can. No, put away, guys, put away forever. The idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. So some of them might still have some of those trinkets. Serve the Lord alone. Second time he said that in this few little paragraph. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then he's saying this. Choose today whom you will serve. He's really saying this. If you're going to serve God, serve him. But if you're not going to serve God, he finds somebody else to serve. Now this actually is where Joshua is getting a little sarcastic. So all of you really sarcastic people, there is a gift of sarcasm at times. Okay? And this is the gift of sarcasm that Joshua had right here. He goes, okay, if you refuse to serve the Lord then choose today who you'll serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors serve behind uh, or beyond the Euphrates? You know, the gods a long time ago. Now, they may not have remembered that, but look at this next statement. Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in which the land, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? They just got through conquering all those gods by listening to their God. And all Joshua is saying this, he goes, there's really only one true God, the God's worthy to just serve him wholeheartedly. But if you want to choose some other gods, remember those other gods, they didn't do so well. And remember the gods of the Amorites right here, they're right here in this land. They were worshiping these gods like that. Look where it got them. Not so good. And then this is where he said, and honestly, people have these plaques on their doors. Sometimes you say, these are great sayings. But here's Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua standing before these people, asking them to choose, sharing with them there is only one God. Fear him. Serve him with everything you've got. All these other gods are pretty pathetic. And it's how he ends up. Bold in your, on the screen. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Whoa. Joshua wasn't around much longer after this. But he stood up. He says, I know that God. I've walked with that God. That God is amazing. That God is miraculous. That God is faithful. Me? Joshua says, go pick any God you want. But there's only one God. Fear him. Serve him. For me, that's where I'm putting all my effort. For me, that's where I'm going. And my family... My family, we are going to serve that God. 
the people respond. And this, this is kind of cool. In chapter 24, starting in verse 22, But the people answered Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. You are a witness to our decision. Joshua said, You have chosen to serve the Lord? Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. All right then, Joshua said, Destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Stop right there. They're all in. They're all excited. This charismatic leader has just given the last words he had. And so Joshua says, okay, are you in? We're in. Are you in? We're in. Are you in? We're in. And what does Joshua do? Well, actually, you're not in. You got some idols. There, there's something that takes God's place. That's all. I don't know what it is. You destroy them. Listen to this, my friends. We are so much like Israel. Well, we're in. We're in. But there are really some other things that I serve and are really more important. God. And sometimes if you're confused, you could look at where you spend your money and where you spend your time. Sometimes that gives us hints on what's our God. I'm not saying it's always accurate, but but it helps. What is it that is the most important thing to every one of us? Well, I want you to know if you're going to say yes to this, put those aside. Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord. We will obey him alone. So Joshua made a covenant with the people on that day at Shechem, committing them to follow the decrees and the regulations of the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instructions. He wrote it down. And as a reminder of this agreement, Joshua's holding them to it, folks. He took a huge stone, rolled it underneath the terebinth tree, besides the tabernacle of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, this stone has, this is funny, I think, this stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. Basically, all the way through, the people are saying, we're witnesses. All of us agree we're going to hold everyone accountable. Technically, this is a wedding. That's what a covenant is. We're going to have a wedding in just a few days with these two sitting there as their love and stars in their eyes and cannot even wait for that unbelievable day. But that's what's going to happen. There's going to be people at that wedding who witness all these crazy vows. Are you serious? You're going to vow that to Rachel? And you're going to vow that to Titus? Well, I want you to know there's going to be witnesses. And they're going to hold you to it. Now, some of us don't see that. 
We don't understand what weddings are. Oh, it's very nice. You see a beautiful... No, no, no. The whole idea is this. A wedding is a covenant, and we're going to remind them of all the words that they said. I didn't say nag. I said remind. Because marriage is hard, and we need reminding. It's wonderful, but it's hard. In a relationship with God, do you know we need reminders? Hey, wait a minute. You said you're going to fear God, and you said you're going to obey Him wholeheartedly. Well, I'm going to remind you. Go look at that rock over there. That rock will tell you it hurt everything. Go back to that rock. So Joshua wanted to make it stick. It was so good for a while in Israel. Joshua chapter 24, verse 31. The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and all the elders who outlived him. Those who had personally experienced All that the Lord has done for Israel. I want you to know our next message is a hard one. The next time we meet. Because realistically things didn't go well for Israel not too long after this. Because they forgot everything. But today Let me remind you, the upper story, we try to focus on God. God is faithful to his word. He is. God requires purity and holiness. Some of you may honestly just say, I just don't experience God. Well, maybe there needs to be some repentance in your life. Confession. So that the channels of communication open. God is a jealous God. We don't like talking about that, but... Things don't go well for God's people when they choose to disobey. And God judges sin. He may not be at your timing, may not understand it, may always look like the bad guys win. And and a lot of times it looks like the bad guys win. It does. But this lower story, this, the story that, that we look at. I mean, there's, there's so many things here. The Israelites wanted to see God work in an amazing way. They needed to purify themselves. They needed to follow God. And they needed to remember or build memorials. I want to encourage you. Build memorials. God's word is so critical for the journey. When God shows up, when God does something, put something down. If any of you come into my office, you will see on my shelves, memorial after memorial after memorial. My wife calls it junk. I want you to know it is not junk. They are memorials. They are reminders of God's faithfulness. I have two shoes that you can't even call shoes of a time when I went into Haiti and were able to give a village new shoes in the name of Jesus. You should have seen their faces light up like crazy. 
Rick, Rick, those are just pieces of junk. No. It's a memorial. God, you are faithful. Over and over and over. God, you are faithful. Let, let me remind you, God's ways don't always make sense. Remember Joshua's speech? Hey, let's cross the Jordan. Guys, meet me in the tent. We've got to do something. And there's no weapons that we're going to use when we destroy Jericho. All that was absurd. Why not just send all kinds of warriors with great weapons? Bulldozers. The key to victory was not found in conventional strategies or superior weapons, but it was walking in obedience with God. Don't be afraid. Trust me. Do exactly what I ask you to do, and you will defeat anyone who stands in your way. What kind of promise is that? It's a promise that you can bank your life on. It is all about God's presence and our obedience. Now, we didn't go into, and I know some of you flinched when I went right from Jericho all the way to Ai. Joshua chapter 7 is a tough chapter. It's about a man and his family that disobeyed God. His name was Achan. And there are consequences of disobeying, no matter what you want to think. Do you think again honestly that we can disobey God and think that we're going to get away with it? We won't. Remember, giants are bigger than we are, but God is bigger than giants. Remember that. In our life, giants are bigger than us. There are always going to be times or people or circumstances or situations that we cannot handle. But what's so cool is that we have a God that says, walk with me, walk with me, walk with me. And then lastly, God's people do look different. They do. They act different. They're not odd. They're just different. You know, I was thinking about the ending of this message. He said, well, Rick, I think it's ended. Almost. And I haven't done this since I've been here at Crosspoint. I don't think. But I'm going to ask you, if you would, all shut your eyes and bow your heads. I, I, I don't, I, I mean, I guess you can look around if you want, but I'm asking you not to look around. And I'm, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to actually draw a line in the sand this morning. And I'm wondering if you would be courageous enough today to say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. There might be some idols got to get rid of. There might be some habits that need to be dismissed. But I'm going to ask this, without looking around, 
If you would like to say today, no one else is going to look. If you would like to say today, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'd like you to stand right now. Nobody looking. If you want to say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, honestly, again, no one's looking. You're standing for one moment, and I'm going to actually pray for you, and I'm actually going to have you sit down before we even all open our eyes, okay? In fact, would you sit down right now? Would you? Father, we come before you today and we recognize that you are an amazing God. And we recognize that even now, this could be an emotional thing. And maybe there are some that are just really struggling and some maybe have got up just because they're supposed to get up. But God, I pray that you would work in each one of our lives that we would see you so clearly and notice that all other gods, every other god, anything out there just pales in comparison to you. And that we can trust you. And that you're an amazing God. You're a loving God. You're a gracious God. But you are also a God that judges. God, there are times we're blinded. There are times we don't see clearly. We ask you, dear God, that... If Moses were standing right here today and would ask that same question, that we would be able to stand because you are God. And everything you say happens. We're so grateful. We are so grateful that each one of us can have a relationship with you by faith. It is not about what we give. It is not about what we do but it's putting our faith in you and your son who died on the cross and paid our debt, our penalty, so that we might have abundant life and eternal life. Oh God, we thank you. I pray even for faith right now, Lord. I know that it's hard to trust you sometimes because your ways aren't our ways. We don't like the news sometimes. We don't like losing jobs. We don't like what doctors tell us. But God, would you increase our faith and have us trust you because you have never let us down. We pray all these things in your son's amazing name. Amen.